You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. The Simply Flawsome Podcast, and I've got a very exciting guest here for you today. Um, before I go ahead and introduce him, I'd like to thank Rove Hotel for allowing us to use their amazing venue here and supporting the podcast. It really means a lot to me. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to today's guest. I've been trying to get him onto the podcast for a while. This man, he has the determination of steel, and I'm interested to find out how he does what he does. He is an ex-Marine, an entrepreneur, and humanitarian, and he is the co-founder of a non-profit organization here in Dubai called Team Angel Wolf. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nick Watson to the podcast today. Hey Zoe, how you doing? Hi Nick, thank you for your time today. Big, I know, big pleasure. I know life is pretty hectic for you, so thank you for, um, for coming in today. Of course. So for the listeners at home, Nick, who don't know who you are and what you do, can you tell us a little bit of your backstory and in particular the inspiration by behind Team Angel Wolf? Well, look, I'm going to have to go back quite a few years, uh, probably to the ripe old age of about 16, um, where really the story and sport started. So um, as you can probably tell from my accent, originally from the UK, um, my parents decided to sell everything up in the UK and move to France when I was 16. And they bought this beautiful hotel, which they still are at, um, in central France on the side of this lake. Um, when I got there, I found out all of a sudden they did a triathlon. So obviously a swim, bike, run, which was literally in front of the hotel. Um, so I did my first race there across the finish line and fell in love with the sport. Um, and that changed me. So that had that kind of d desire to potentially follow a career in health and fitness. Um, it took me off in a slightly different direction for the time being. I went to, I stayed in France. I studied art at um, L'Ecole de Beaux-Arts. But whilst I was there, we started a triathlon club. And we used to race every weekend, every other weekend. We traveled around France um, racing. So I just fell in love with this sport and I loved what everything that it had to offer. Um, but then obviously being a um, hippie artist um, wasn't quite the direction at the time. Um, so we did that for a few years and um, I had an, kind of an urge to kind of keep myself fit, keep myself well. Um, and um, went back to the UK and I joined the Royal Marines um, and had five amazing years within the Royal Marines. We traveled the world and the great thing about obviously, especially the Marines, you have to be fit and just thought, look, this is a good career at the time. And um, it was just a great step, stepping stone of getting myself fit, getting myself happy, um, healthy. And um, obviously we partied a lot and had a great time um, back in the Marines. Um, but then always had the desire to help others, um, help others get fit, get healthy. Um, and when I came out the Marines in 96, um, my direction then was towards personal training sports therapy, of which we did a course back in the UK. Um, and I met my lovely wife, Delphine, on the course. Um, and when we finished the course, we were kind of a little bit like myself because I spent so much time in the Marines traveling. Uh, Delphine also had spent time before the course um, traveling. She spent time in Australia and New Zealand. We kind of wanted to find somewhere abroad outside the UK and find somewhere a little bit warmer. Um, so 20 years ago, backpack, 
800 pounds in my pocket um one-way ticket to dubai uh, we arrive in dubai um so so yeah so that was kind of up to coming here um we started our initial kind of work here we set up actually the the wafi so the wafi's got a, a pharaoh's club and uh, it's got a climbing wall so obviously ex-military that was my first job um here in dubai so we set up the climbing wall um, and then our goal was to help others. Um, we got very much into personal training. Um, and back in those days, um, my wife trained lots of Emirati ladies. I trained the husbands and the family. And uh, that's how we started. And then we opened up our first personal training center in 2003 um, in Jumeirah, which I think at the time was probably the first personal training center actually here in the Middle East when we did the research. You know, there was like, I think there were like five personal trainers in Dubai at the time. Wow, yeah, and it's very much a crowded space now. Oh, it's, it's very busy now. And um, and that was that was kind of our introduction into health and fitness here in the UAE. Um, but the same year that we opened up the doors to the to um, the business called U Concept, um, our first son, Rio, came into our lives. And... Um, How old is Rio? Rio's now 16, um, and everything changed when he was about six months old. Um, up to that date, we thought everything was fine. But I think looking back, mum always thinks there was something not right. Um, all the dots didn't really connect. Um, but at six months, we were, always remember the moment, um, we were bathing Rio. It was a Friday afternoon, kind of happy moment for mum and dad. And I was in the bath with Rio. He's kind of laid on my chest. And... Um, all of a sudden, the little boy stopped breathing, uh, went blue. His eyes rolled back into the back of his head, and he went completely floppy. And obviously, I panicked, screamed. Delphine rushed into the bathroom. We'd got him out, um, weren't sure what to do. So we bundled him into the car, uh, rushed down to the hospital. And after, we kind of looked at the first one, probably about seven minutes. Uh, Rio kind of became more conscious. Um, by the time we got to the hospital, he was kind of a little bit more sitting upright. So we went and saw the specialist. And um, they they looked at him and said, look, he looks okay. And they sent us home. So we're like, what's, what's just happened? So we go home. That's Friday in shock. And then Saturday, the next day, the same thing happens. Um, was he having an epileptic fit? Well, that's what it was. They were seizures. Um, there were seizures, but most people, when you think when you think an epileptic fit, then people go more rigid. Rio goes the opposite. He goes completely floppy and literally completely almost lifeless. Um, that's where he goes into this unconscious state. His breathing literally almost stops. He goes blue. He goes extremely pale um, and starts dribbling. And obviously we... we you know, we think we're going to lose this little boy. So um, the Saturday was his second one, and then they started, you know what I mean? Uh, um, and for no apparent reason, still to this day, we don't know really what kicks them off. Every couple of days in the beginning, he was starting to have them. And obviously, you know, for those that have kids, a six-month child, you know, you have no idea what's happening. And it started us on a journey, and that journey took us probably about four and a half years to kind of get to his condition. Um, but within those four years, obviously, we saw so many different people, obviously, based here in Dubai. We saw specialists here. Um, we ended up going back to the UK. Um, but at the end of the day, we found um, some great guys in London, and their, their specialty was chromosomes. And um, we found that Rio had a, he has a minuscule 
deletion on one chromosome one. So we're all made up of just over 22 pairs of chromosomes. So on chromosome one, he has a minuscule part that's deleted and his condition is so rare, it's actually named after the part the deletion on the chromosome. So it's called 1Q44 deletion. It also has a word at the end, says de novo, which means it's non-hereditary. It's not come from mum or dad. It is just life has given us Rhea. And um, yeah, that, that's been a kind of a, a, a real journey for us. And that's where everything started. Okay, so what what is his? Thank you for that. Sure. So so his condition is what the name it, is what you've it's, just said. It's the name of the part of the chromosome that's missing. So wow. it's not like um, what would be used to. Like, is that what um, specialists do when they just don't know what it is? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not so much the make up a name, but it's just because mm. there's not enough children to have a generic name for How it. How many other children in the world? Well, look, we at the time as well, Delphine started um, with another lady actually in the US started up a Facebook group. Uh, there were just two of them. Um, so we thought social media is a great way to start to connect to see people's stories. Um, now there's, yeah, I think there's a few, there's probably at least over 100 people that are a part of the group. Um, but I think also what we've come to learn is, especially in the early days of Rio, um, unfortunately, sometimes children are either not diagnosed because they've just not seen the right specialist, or they've been slightly misdiagnosed because chromosomes is, is so varied, you know what I mean? And even down the path of, um, you know, looking for Rio's condition, he was diagnosed with different conditions just because of either the specialist that we saw um, at the time. And um, yeah, uh, it was it was quite a, an interesting journey. But um, yeah, the Rio now 16, um, just to give you an idea, as obviously the listeners will be thinking, so how does that affect him? So um, Rio has severe learning disability, so a lot of things are a challenge for him. So um you know just even basic skills for him holding something uh, feeding himself so even holding a spoon that's still a challenge today for him to feed himself um even walking um you know his whole sensory and we got we the more we get to learn about rio um his sensory perception you know even his sight and his vision and his hearing you know i think they're they're working overtime so I think if he comes into a new environment, even like this in this room, there'll be a lot of things for him to try and kind of figure out in his own little world what's happening. So obviously there's light, there's a little bit of noise from the air conditioning. Um, and it takes him time to get used to that. Even when he's walking, sometimes his perception, he doesn't always literally look where, where he's going. So we're always uh, prompting him saying, look, there's a step. But I think he knows there's a step. So he will obviously, he'll, he'll take our hand um, whilst he's walking, etc. Um, and then even little things like gross fine motor skills. So little things are a little bit of a challenge, you know, even pressing a button on something, you know, that, that's quite a lot of coordination for him to do. And it's still a challenge for him. He's, um, <laughs> I'd like to say nonverbal, but Rio is learning things over repetition. So over the years, you know, he loves to be honest, he loves music, he loves nursery rhymes, um, he loves anything to do with um, any forms of sound. 
um, and he will repeat them. So things like happy birthday, obviously he knows happy birthday. He'll sing happy birthday 10 times a day at home. Hopefully it's someone's birthday. If it's your birthday, Zoe, come around to our house. He will sing you happy birthday for sure. Um, and little stories that we've told over the years, you know, like the Garuffalo, he learns, he started to learn that as well. Um, so anything that's full of repetition, um, he, 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 he learns in that way. And then obviously it's now and again he picks up words um, that he'll say. Uh, sometimes they're not clear. He's got something going on at the moment. We have no idea. He repeats it on a regular basis. We're not quite sure what it is. We're quite excited to find out what it is that he's trying to tell us. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he's, a, he's a happy little boy as well. You know what I mean? But then there's still challenges. He's still in nappies. Um, so that is, you know, you imagine as a 16-year-old, um, that's a real challenge for us as a family. You can imagine what it's like when we take him out. So now he's big. Mum taking Rio into the bathroom is a challenge. And me taking him into the bathroom is a challenge, obviously trying to find the right toilets, etc. Um so so yeah, it, it definitely comes with its with its struggles. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. <laughs> so move forward to today. Yeah. And 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 what you've developed as an organization, your yeah. non profit organization, team um Angel Wolf, and I'd, and I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about the challenges that go into to running that. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people out there really kind of maybe understand um, what it takes to yeah. do it and, and the challenges that, that you do face to keep it alive in many ways. Well, look, um, we started Team Angel Wolf probably, we did our first race five years ago. And um, for, um, I think it's 17th of November, 2014 um we kind of looked into ways was that dit yeah it was dit uh, that was my first you're joking on the palm yes there you go that was oh. mine too that was my first 70.3 no i've only done two fantastic okay there you go all right there's a story there's a connection so we were in the summer uh, prior to that um i had a bit of a health scare and um, it was a bit of a, a wake-up call. Um, wasn't feeling very well, a bit pale. Went to see the doctor. They said, Yo, you, you don't look well. I was like, well, that's why I'm here to see you. Um, so they ran some tests and ran some more tests. And then obviously they had to look internally because I was bleeding from somewhere. And they found a big lump in my colon. It was about six centimeters. And they said, look, we don't want that to stay there because it, it will change. Um, obviously, we went into surgery, took it out. And as I woke up... Um, I was kind of to my wife, um, I want to do an Ironman, uh, as you do. Um, but the last time, just as a story, the last time I did an Ironman uh, was in Hawaii at the World Championships. And Delphine was there and she was pregnant with Rio. And I always remember turning around to her and saying, one day I want to bring my son and daughter, we didn't know a boy or a girl, back here and we race together. So one day we will go back to Kona. Um, and um, so... As I woke up in surgery, I was like, okay, I want to prepare myself for a race. Um, but it was more about me. And then a few months into training, um, training wasn't going so well. Uh, we didn't have much time, but it, it, it's, I was trying to prepare myself for Barcelona. Had about six months to get ready. And um, um, I remember Delphine turned around to me one day and said, look, have you ever thought about racing with Rio? And then it, it was, it was life-changing. I was like... 
you know, wow, yeah, because Rio loves sensory, he loves movement, he loves like anything that when we're in the car, he he loves that. Um, so we thought, wow, how how about doing a sport which I could include him, which includes him into the community and obviously all the great things that we do as well. So we planned DIT and um, we went out to corporates and um, amazing, we got all the equipment sponsored. So we had a kayak, a bike, and obviously the pushchair. Uh, from Adventure HQ at the time, and um, we uh, <laughs> we got all the equipment literally weeks before the race, and we we're like, oh, we've hardly even tested this. We don't know how Rio's going to do. But wow. I thought, look, if we're going to do a race, let's do a race that has a purpose. You know, there's no point in doing a, sp a small race. There's a lot of logistics with what we do. So yeah, Rio was 11 at the time, a uh, little boy, and uh, there's photos where he just <laughs> tiny little boy that sits in this kayak. So we, we took him on the race. I had a friend, um, actually, that, who was the CEO um, of Adventure HQ at the time. And we said, look, can you follow us? So obviously, um, just in case Rio decides to jump out, because we, we did a practice swim prior to the race. And um, uh, we were swimming down in Jamira, so I'd taken Rio out. And um, Rio likes movement, but when we stop, he's not happy. Um, so I swam into a load of jellyfish, was getting stung, so I stopped. Um, so then all of a sudden Rio thought it was fun that we'd stop so he jumps out the kayak and I'm like oh my god so I'm trying to get Rio back in thinking okay this is a bit life-changing so he's not harnessed in he's not harnessed in no, into the bike no this is on the kayak so mm -hmm. this is on the boat mm. um on the bike yes mm. um and um so I get him back in and I kind of all of a sudden realized that yeah okay how's this going to be on race day which was like a few weeks later but needless to say we did the race we did the kayak and then uh we, or the swim which was 1.9 cycled 90 and then ran 21 and crossed the finish line this little boy absolutely loved it and from then we started look maybe there's a way that we could do this we'd had um um a couple of issues we'd lost two companies since we've been here and um, we were going for the second one and it was just an absolute nightmare we'd lost everything that we'd invested for the last 20 years uh, this is the second occasion and we just thought look how's a way that we could give back to the community so we set up team angel Wolf as a non-profit organization at the beginning of our second season and um we started to see what impact it was having on the community obviously not only when we race and then how important it was that we felt that rio was being included into the community and that's always been our goal you know rio this little boy with disabilities um we wanted to make sure that he you know, he, he is a part of everything that we do. And that's when we set Team Angel off as a, as a non-profit organization with the Community Development Authority, um, which we're about to renew in December, so it'll be our third year. Okay, thank you. What is your mission of Team Angel Wolf? Look, our mission, very simple. I think it's to make a, um, a more inclusive, healthier um, global community. Um, we really want to make a difference and we want to make sure that you're not not just Rio but hopefully by what we're doing we're inspiring other families to also show them that it's okay uh, to potentially bring their child out into the public eye um, get them involved in health and fitness and sport or communities or whatever activity that family or that child may like and I think that's really important to us. But at the end of the day, all we're doing is we're telling a story. You know, this is our story. 
but we want people to connect in it in their own way. And if they feel look, fantastic, they'd like to get involved, would like to get their children involved, um, then that would be brilliant. And then on the flip side, I think what we do maybe inspires people to get fit, to get healthy because of that's been our background. Um, that's been our whole goal in the health and fitness journey, being a personal trainer. You're always there to inspire people, um, to sh kind of show them the ropes. And um, I think hopefully that's what our story is doing. Thank you. Then Nick, what goes into running a non-profit organization? What are the challenges? I imagine that you have to wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's, um, yeah, it's not been easy. Um, like I said, we're, we're coming into our um, actually fifth year of sponsorship. So as a non-profit organization, the only re way we can receive assistance financially is through what we call sponsorship. So a company can sponsor us. Um, in return already, we are using their brand, they're a part, they're on my tri-suit, they're on our equipment, they're all obviously as a partner in everything that we do. So you might see obviously all our things on social media. Every time we're doing a race, we're thanking our partners and our sponsors. Um, we're actually using the word partnership this year. We kind of think it's a nicer word rather than sponsors. Um, so we have to go out into the market and find sponsors um, that is a challenge it is a challenge every year um, obviously that financial side allows us to do what we do full-time there is two of us there's me and my wife that run team angel wolf um, and I'll be honest with you for the last five years we barely survive um, because um, as a non-profit organization how we've been set up um, we are allowed to pay, well, only myself because I, I've become the general manager of the organization, of the foundation. Um, so I can pay myself a salary. Delphine also, because we're a foundation, she is, um, she's the big boss, if that makes sense. She is the founder. Um, we have a board of directors um, of which we must have um, a local Emirati on the board who's been unbelievable. Um, from the Community Development Authority, also from their side, we must also have a representative as a, a local Emirati as well. And then the other people I go out and choose are basically friends, but all have uh, great skill sets to help Team Angel Wolf. Um, so obviously there's two of us that work full time. The board is there to assist, of which throughout the year, like any organization, um, we must be audited, which is fantastic. Love it. Um, um, we must have monthly meetings, stroke minutes, to show exactly what we do. Um, and then that's obviously all um, followed up and overseen by the Community Development Authority, which is, which is to be honest, which is, which is fantastic. Um, the only huge difficulty is, is finding the sponsors. Um, and that is our biggest challenge. We cannot fundraise. Um, without relevant permissions. Okay, and one of my questions mm. was, do you rely solely on sponsorship or are the grants available that are accessible to you? Um, not necessarily grants, no, not. Um, I would, I, I wish that was available. Um, we would love to get more different types of support, but I think, um, I'd have to be honest with you, the the Community Development Authority and where they are at the moment is, is also um, growing and evolving and everything that's great in Dubai is is, is kind of in its infancy. It's so interesting because I've just spoken about that with Holly okay. when we were talking about the challenges of entrepreneurship and setting yourself up in your own business. Dubai is very different to a lot of 
developed countries, very much in its infancy, yes. very much evolving. Yeah. Well, look, and, and that is a great thing. And I think where we are at the moment and being a part of obviously being licensed under the Community Development Authority, things are growing and evolving and they're loving our feedback. You know what I mean? And I think like anything in time, um, I think, you know, for, for us, we've been here a long time, 20 years. Um, they're very interested to understand our feedback. So I actually had a meeting with them a month ago and I told them my challenges. I said, my challenges are finding sponsors of which they are going to go out and help because there's a, um, the, the great thing about Dubai, people want to help organizations, but they don't know how. You know, they don't know how, how could we help Team Angel Wolf? How could we help any organization that fits, obviously, that as a corporate entity, um, of which they're gonna, they, they are going to assist us with. So it, it's evolving, and the meeting was just wonderful. The guys, they're like, we are here to help you. We are here to understand your difficulties because we all want to be a success in Dubai. And I have to be honest with you, it's probably the reason why we still live here, because I probably wouldn't get that type of support and those type of meetings with that kind of openness anywhere else. And um, that's probably led us to continue to do what we do. Um, but, yeah, the sponsorship is, is a challenge, but at the moment they're – Grants really don't even exist. I can see that they do want to help, quite simply because what you bring to the community. Yes. And um, it's also, I don't know if this is, you know, maybe the right thing to say, but it's good PR for, for, for Dubai. I mean, it, it, it looks, you know, what you're doing is, is fantastic. And, um, you know, it's, you know, to see... Um, the country supporting that or, or Dubai supporting that it's um, it reflects well on them as well I well think. look and that I'll be honest with you that's one of our wishes um, my wish for the last since we've set this up for the last three years to wear a Dubai brand you know so we're um, I'll kind of tell you a little bit in a minute about what we plan for this year um, but we do we do want to intend to race more internationally so we can take the story um, further afield um, and how great would that be to be wearing whatever that brand may be that represents Dubai and people see us as being an ambassador if you like um, of Dubai and the UAE so mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's um, that's 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 a wish but yeah. we're still trying to find that brand thank you <laughs> <laughs> so one of my questions which I think you've probably answered yeah. um, is what what are your main sources of cash flow I know we've spoken about sponsorship yeah. is that solely where your cash flow comes from? Yeah, look, sp um, sponsorship is one element. Um, it covers the big tick in the box that allows us to operate, do what we do, um, assist us with all the requirements from logistics to equipment, etc. Um, also, most importantly, pays us a salary, which at the end of the day puts food on our table, roof over our head. Um, the other elements that we do is... Um, I'd like to use the word sponsorship, but we go out, we do a lot of inspirational talks. So we go out to schools a lot. What we try and do with schools, because what we've learned over the years, especially at the moment, companies have different budgets if they want to support or sponsor a CSR initiative. So we've kind of done a real entry level. So for the first couple of years, I actually used to do all my school talks for free. Um, and we love to do that, but like we all know, time is precious and when you run an organization like yourself we do need cash um, so what we did last year um, which was still been quite difficult uh, we charge for a school talk and um, but we want corporates 
to sponsor those school talks. So we go to the school and say, look, fantastic, because they want us to come in and tell a story. But we'll go in and say this school talk is brought to you by Rove Hotels, for example. And um, and it's just a recognition as well. So we, we start that really simple at 2,500 dirhams, which allows us to go into schools, um, which we want to do more. Um, the other side is we do corporate inspirational talks. So next week I've got the bizzle. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, so we do talks. We've had audience up to, I think my biggest so far is about 1,500 people, okay. um, of which I love. I love telling our story. Yeah. So, And I'll be honest with you, going in and doing a talk to a company is our great introduction because companies then go, wow, we understand who you are, what you do, what your requirements are, and more or less it starts to open the doors where a company goes, actually, we'd like to help you. Um, and it's, you know, it comes from the heart, our story, like obviously, like we're telling now. Um, so it's a fantastic introduction. So the, I'll be honest with you, we're trying as much as we can at the moment to get out to many companies as possible and say, look, please invite us to come in and do a talk. Obviously, there's a cost for that, um, but at least it starts... You know, it not only starts that introduction, but also I think within an organization, it tells such a great story. And what we do with the talks as well, because obviously everyone has um, annual meetings, whatever they may be, there's always obviously a theme around it. It might be around team building. It might be about communication. And we adapt our talks as well that make them reflect whatever those highlights in that, that, that meeting. So effectively, uh, you know... Um you're getting paid to do keynote speeches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic that you've kind of, you know, carved that out. Um, and it's good that you can get paid for that as well. Yes. I still think it's, you know, in some cases, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, um, there's certain, you know, organizations that maybe can't afford to pay, but doing a free talk is likely going to maybe result in something else in the future look 100 percent, and i think we've always got to weigh that up um like i said there's organizations or there's friends or people who help us in other ways so you know even on the other side of it we we have um we have what we call service providers who help us pro bono um, so I have lawyers, I have the best lawyers in the world, um, who help us year on year um, because we are non-profit and because of obviously the delicacy of, I wouldn't say fundraising, but all those kind of terminologies, we make sure that we never put anything out there that's, that's wrong, if that makes sense, and there's a wrong perception, because we don't want to do anything wrong. We've been here 20 years. This is our home. We want to do everything by the book. Um, so even when we're putting together agreements for sponsorship or whatever that may be, um, we want to make sure that, you know, everything is correct. Um, so, so yeah, so like you said, we, we, we have been known to go in and do um, talks um, for free. But in return, um, like you said, there's maybe not a financial uh, commitment towards Team Angel Wolf, but there's someone who said, OK, we're, we're, we're a PR company. So we'll help you with our yeah. next campaign. And you don't know, there might be a, 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 a businessman listening to that who thinks, right, what they're doing is fantastic. I want to help. I want to get them in to do a keynote speech and they pay you, what, five, ten thousand dollars to do that or yep. something. Okay. Thank you for that, Nick. Um, I'd like to delve a little bit further into the, sure. to the non-profit. Yep. So I was reading a study 
um, on the internet yesterday, okay. and it showed that two of the biggest challenges identified by nonprofit financial professional professionals were identifying long-term sustainability and finding new funding sources. I think you've pretty much answered that, yeah? Yeah, look, and, and I think one thing that we've come to realize as well over the last couple of years, we even our sponsorship, we work on an annual basis. And our slight problem as well is the time of year. So because of the racing season, when we're wearing a, a company's brand, we start our sponsorship year at the beginning of August and goes to the end of July. So by the time we've obviously, we're about to hit our race season in the next couple of weeks, we've obviously got the company brands on us, etc., and we're going to race with them for the whole year. Because um, it would be very difficult to start changing brands at, at January. So you get to kind of December, halfway through the season, we're changing obviously all our identity. Um, so you can imagine when it comes to people's budgets to commit in the middle of a season is very difficult. So, you know, the corporates that I'm going out to the moment, obviously they're like, okay, our budget's already been spent. Um, actually, it's been cut anyway because of financial difficulties. Um, so it's a real tough time to be obviously touching base with companies, but also what we found as well um, and where we'd like to move this forward is to try and get a long-term commitment. So, and it gives us security because every summer we're struggling. You know, this last summer, has been horrendous. <laughs> we've, we've not traveled, we've not done anything. Um, we've just been reliant on trying to get out to as much corporates as possible. Um, and it's very, very stressful every season. So we kind of hoping, obviously, as we, uh, as we kind of hopefully finalizing or looking, still looking for sponsors for this year, see if we can get at least one, two, three year commitment with the companies. And then it's a long, organic growth that we can be working with the organization yeah okay thank you how do you go about finding new funding sources do you have to pitch yourselves or do people come to you look i guess this goes back to what i said about wearing so yeah. many different hats oh uh, look um uh, this is quite frustrating to be honest with you we i think over the years we've built up a really good network um of which um, who are who will respond to us every year? Um, so there's people that we we'll go back to, and they will try and get involved, even though they don't become what we call a category sponsor. So the way in which our sponsorship works, we've done it this year. Um, so we we're trying to align ourselves with an organisation that ticks one box. So we're sponsored by Toyota. Um, have been absolutely fantastic. So that's kind of vehicle logistics, if you like to say. Um, we're also sponsored by the Sustainable City. Obviously, you run there with us. Unbelievable. Love the owner. It fits who we are. We're vegan, plant-based, and healthy eating. So absolutely fantastic. Um, we've got Demand Insurance on board from Abu Dhabi. Been unbe unbelievable. They're coming to our second year. And then we've got a little small business, Lifco, um, who hold Panzani, which is obviously a pasta group coming out of France. Mm. So what we're trying to do is categorize ourselves, but we are obviously looking for a, a, a big sponsor as well. Um, but we will we will connect base with obviously people that we've touched base throughout the year. Um, and then unfortunately we have to, you know, we have to do the emails, find emails. Um, we, ha we use our contacts. So if we're looking for a particular brand at the moment, you know, we'd love a water brand. Um, so we go out to, you know, who might know. So we use 
our community, the people that we know, our triathletes, people that race with us. Um, and then we use things like LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you know, is huge for me. Um, not many people respond, to be honest. Um, but you never know. It's like it's those introductions. And I'll be totally honest with you when it comes to finding sponsors. Our sponsorship always comes from a decision maker. I need to sit in front of a CEO, um, uh, uh, someone in charge who loves our story. Because unfortunately, especially on bigger organizations, once you start hitting marketing department CS, at the moment they're all getting back to us and saying, look, we don't have the budget. Um, I kind of get that, but I know there's a budget. Um, but when it comes from a decision maker, they love you, they like the brand, you love the ethos, then it completely changes the story and that connection. And every one of the organizations that I've worked with, it has been at that level that I've met, sat down, they've just turned around, we'll make it work. Because if the big boss is saying to his marketing department, support Team Angel Wolf, then you know it's done. And then it, it builds a fantastic relationship because then I'm working directly with the owners. Yeah. And I guess you recognizing that you need to speak to the people at the top, it's going to cut out a lot of the, you know, the messing around that you've probably done in the past and, and haven't got anywhere. Of course, and you probably know, you know, I mean, by the time it gets up to that decision maker, they probably need to make a proposal and then it needs to go through a sign and then it needs to be signed off. So, yeah, meet the big boss. Um, it's a, hopefully it's a done deal. It's interesting. Do the magic. I was, um, you know, I was saying to you that, you know, you have to wear so, so many different hats. I remember many years ago reading um, a sales book okay. and, um a lady was mentioned in this book and, and I just didn't expect her to be. So a chapter was particularly, um, it was focused on Mother Teresa. Okay. And um, apparently, you know, she is one of the best negotiators. Okay. You know, her okay. sales skills okay. are absolutely incredible and she's one of the best negotiators mm. out there. Okay. So much so that they put her in, in, in this book. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't probably put that in with kind of you know like the sales process but you know like I say you have to there's so many different aspects to your role and what you do and you you know it effectively you're running a business 100%. but you're doing it you're probably doing the job maybe of say seven eight nine or whatever people look between two of you look totally agree and we know um to be honest with you we've got um different skill sets between myself and Delphine um and um, she is the writer, so anything that you read, all the literature, she's magic. She's unbelievable, and she's a great ideas person. I'm obviously the face of Team Angel Wolf. Um, I'm the one that makes everything look pretty. I actually make all the videos that you see online. Um, but also, just to let you know, we've kind of come through end of a season now, um, and we've got some fantastic help from an agency at the moment who we're rebranding, uh, we're playing with the logo, uh, we're putting all the story, that's gonna develop a website. Um, we're looking at doing merchandise as well, which like you were asking a little bit earlier, actually I forgot to say, um, which can and we're allowed to I bring love your branding, a little bit the more. Way. It's gonna change a little bit. Is it bit, gonna change? It, not much, but it's, it's cool. I'm getting the first proposal on Tuesday. Mm. Um, so we're, we're looking at making some change, but also we're going out, just to give you an idea, and I'll be honest with you, our category sponsors, um, if you don't mind me saying, come in at 250,000 dirhams per annum. Um, what's even included this year, we've upped it. It used to be 180, 
um, but you get actually five running chairs. You know the running chairs that we run with? Yes. We're going to include that. You get five chairs. That means we can do more, get more people into our community runs. Um, we want to expand those into different locations. Um, so that's a category response. And then I'll be honest with you, we tried this year. Someone said, why didn't you just go and ask? And we, we, we don't know. We might get it. Um, we're doing a title sponsor, one title sponsor, which is going to be a million dirhams. Um, they will get 10 chairs. They will basically be the big brand that supports us. But with that type of finance, it allows us to grow. It allows us to bring, have a finance to assist with... When you say they get with 10 chairs, what... Sorry. 10 running chairs. Mm -hmm. You know the running push chairs that we run yeah, yeah. with the kids? Yeah, yeah. That's included in the sponsorship. So mm -hmm. the sponsorship means that the each one of the companies that mm -hmm. sponsor us now... Mm -hmm will help us build our initiative. Mm -hmm. So we've got an initiative called Together We Can. Mm -hmm. uh, we run it from Sustainable City every two weeks. Uh, we bring children with disabilities down. Um, we allow anyone to come. Mums can bring their kids, scooters, it doesn't matter. And literally, we do a 30-minute workout. People can walk, people can jog, people can run. But what's most important about the session is people are helping someone with a disability. So when the kids come, you've got to help them out of a wheelchair into one of our chairs and we go out together. That's inclusion for me. So our focus has never just been about racing. That is just a part of it. We're growing those aspects at the moment. Um, and that's just one of our community programs. So the more, I have five chairs at the moment. So even this year when we do races, we're going to start taking the chairs along. We invite more kids to come. But then we're going to invite the community to come and push a child. And that's really one of our focuses for the year. So how do we engage with the community? Because it's great us doing what we do. But everyone wants, so many people want to get involved. How can we help? You know, even if it's just on time base, coming down. But for me, inclusion is about hands-on. There is nothing more rewarding than helping someone um, from a wheelchair into a running chair and obviously going into a session. And I don't know, we do another session called Beach Blast. So we're sponsored by the Fairmont. I've got five floating wheelchairs every two weeks, free. We go to a school, bring 20 kids down. We invite five to ten children with disabilities down there and they get the opportunity to play, to interact, obviously with a child with disability. And it's great. We come down, the chairs are lined up, there's kids there in a wheelchair and we say to the kids, look, you've got to help them get from their wheelchair into one of our chairs and go and play with them in the water. Wow, that's fantastic. And I didn't know you did all of uh, this. This is awesome, man. <laughs> Send you some links. So this for us is kind of engaging with the community. And we get kids that come down at the beginning like, I've never met a child with disability. I've never seen someone in a wheelchair. Um, you know, Dubai is lovely, but unfortunately there's not enough of that awareness. Um, and they're like, what shall I do? And I, I say to all the kids, there is no brief here. Um, there's a wheelchair that floats. There's a beach there, and you're going to figure it out. And they come, uh, the children come at the beginning of the session, they're all a bit shy, they're like, I don't know what to do. An hour later, they're best friends, they're singing, so we, that word disability has just gone. You know, it, it, they've become a part of everyone's community. And we have races up and down the beach. This is magical. And for us, that's our focus on Team Angel. So we want to grow these initiatives. We want to grow, obviously, with the floating chair program we do. We want to get it into other locations. The running chair program is great. Um, so we want to be at races. Hopefully in the future, we'll do a 5K run, but there'll be 20 chairs from Team Angel we will run together. So that's the focus. It's not a race. Um, and whoever is the, let's say the slowest, but whatever that pace is, we'll stay at their pace and we'll do five kilometers. 
because for me that's engagement that's engaging with children and Rio will be there of course but what also what it starts to do it starts to allow other parents to go well okay I want to be a part of that you know what I'd like to bring my child um, with a disability or none as well just for that exposure so you know these are the things that allow us to grow but without sponsorship we can't fund any of these projects so you know it's not just about supporting team major for it's growing these initiatives and like you said we wear too many hats i need to employ people you know i need people to help with the administration of doing one of those sessions so when we do the beach blast we have to engage with the school we have to make sure all the kids are there all the wave is done then we've got to reach out to obviously um uh, the community who want to bring their children down with disabilities so you know there's a lot of administration my wife normally takes care of that but you know she's got to do what she does as well and um so so yeah look it, it's a challenge but where we want to grow team angel wolf is is we need support we need financial support that support will not only allow us to grow in dubai but the uae but i'll be honest with you my my our focus for Team Angel Wolf is to take the concept global. Team Angel Wolf could easily be set up in other regions. We're in the process of figuring out how that is, how it would look if we're not there. Can other people run our initiatives? Um, so, yeah, our big focus is Together We Can, which is the running push chair and Beach Blast. Mm -hmm. so Fantastic. Cool. Thank you. What is your proudest moment with Rio? Oh. I'm sure there's been many, but is there one particular there's that that stands out? I don't know if you? there's proudest moments. The moment that changed me was so. If you did a DIT in November, do you remember in the February they did Challenge Dubai here? Yes, after DIT. After DIT, that was my second one. That was your second one. That was my second and last one. You did Challenge Dubai. Yeah. So you remember the weather? The weather was horrendous. Of course. So that was our I second race. I had a race. panic attack in the water. I think we all did. <laughs> I almost drowned. Okay. And on the bike. I remember I, w I couldn't even get down on my tri bars. I think I probably weighed about 49 kg at the time. Couldn't even get down on the tri bars. I was literally no way. holding on with dear life. Yeah. Going about 16 kilometers per hour. That was my second race as well. Okay. I, I do not know. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. So and that was one of... For me, that was this the biggest achievement because the challenging weather. A hundred percent. No, so so we went down. Um, the organisers turned around to me and said, "Nick, I don't think you should swim." I'm like, "Yeah, right. Uh, we're swimming." And they, they changed the swim route, didn't they? They changed the swim. They made they, it into two laps as opposed to one. They made it two one. laps within that the the little kind of secluded area, but still the waves were huge. Yeah. Um, I've still got videos. I've I was I was doing doggy paddle <laughs> at the beginning, and then I thought, no, there's no way I'm going to get around doing doggy paddle. I think it was breaststroke I was doing, not doggy paddle. And um, yeah, it was tough. So I don't know how you. Well, that, that was our second race. Mm. So we also during the swim, um, I had Sam Whitam again from Adventure HQ. I said to him, mate, look, when I swim, he's I, from uh, Dubai Creek Striders, yeah. No. The Runner. Ah, uh, that's Sam Whitcomb, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, more of a cyclist than he is a runner. Okay. Anyway, so I said to Sam, Sam, please, second race, big waves. If Rio falls out, I need to know because, you know, I'm trying to figure out every wave. And if you remember, every time we hit top of the wave, you're just trying to, where's the boy? <laughs> you're going straight. So 
um, I said to him, look, please follow me on the swim. Um, so we went out and swam. And I'll be honest with you, it is still today probably the hardest swim I ever did. I, um, get, I, I don't know if you experienced this. I mean, I, I mean, mine comes from my fear of open water, but I, and that's just because I don't do enough of it. Yeah. You know, it's just because I don't get out there and do enough sea swims. If I did, I probably wouldn't have that fear. Um, so then when I get to race day, but I remember a panic attack coming on. Have you ever experienced anything like that in the water? Look, I, I have to admit, I, I, I struggled in the swim. And I think when we was out on one of the boys, second maybe doing the top end of the triangle, I remember turning around, swimming, and uh, looking to my left, and the boy's there. You know, 10 more strokes, the boy's still there. I'm going nowhere. Um, and then I'm trying to think, oh, my God, is Rio okay? You know, and I'm looking back. Rio's bouncing up and down in the, obviously, in the waves. And I'm, I'm thinking, worst case scenario, you know, what if Rio goes in the water? Um, and, yeah, the, the, that, that, that was probably the scariest moment I guess of you all the races I could do. Rio in, could no, you? Because if the, because the kayak flips. He's, he's stuck underneath it. So he, he has a life jacket. So he's better off. Like any kayak as well, um, don't strap him. You know what I mean? Uh, we have even these floating wheelchairs where they have a belt. I, I don't let the kids wear a belt. They have wear a life jacket because if they turn over, it's better to pop up and grab them up than to be stuck underneath the chair. So we do not strap Rio in. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, that was probably the, I wouldn't say a panic attack, but it was it was that kind of moment going, my God, I'm, I'm struggling here, which is doesn't happen very often it's not only yourself you've got rio to think about of course too. and he's my priority mm. um, so yeah look we um so we did the swim um the the guy that was supposed to do the paddle board i get back into shore he's still on the beach i was like sam what, what's happened it's like nick i didn't even make it past <laughs> the waves i was like so you you weren't actually there as my kind of safety angle. And I was like, nah. <laughs> After all that. But um, he did say, look, there were loads of jet skis. I got back on the shore. He didn't even leave the shore anyway. So the organizers were brilliant, by oh. the way. And they made sure they were close by. So they were. I did have people around me. I don't know who was in the kayak that day. But, you know, they have the organizers and they have them in kayaks yeah. just in case you want to put your arm up and get out. She, whoever it was she was a complete meanie um because i swear to god she i was i couldn't see where i was going and i think because i was at the back i wasn't i you know i wasn't really being guided by anyone and i'd gone a little bit off track she told me i had to swim back no way i swear to, and I, i'm like <laughs> even in the war i'm thinking are you serious yeah. Like, come on. So Somehow I had to swim back and, like, go back. I can't remember what it was, but go back round and just thought, oh, my God. Like, the weather conditions that day. I think I ended up swimming a lot more than I should have done on that day. I think a lot of people did. It was, um, yeah, it was tough. Loads of, someone was saying loads of tents and everything fell down. So, so look, we, we complete the swim. And you're asking me, best probably best moment. But I think the best thing, I think, Rhea said many things, but this was, this what changed me so we get on the bike so 90k in a sandstorm um as you remember was horrendous um just to give you some statistics um rio probably at the time was weighing about 30 kilos my bike's about 35 so i push 60 70 kilos on the bike um i'm sure your bike weighs about 10 um so obviously a 
slight more effort when we get on the bike. And Rio also is not the most aerodynamic boy. Um, he sits there with his legs open watching everything go by, so he's quite happy. But obviously, when you're into a headwind and a sandstorm, um, you know, you, you, you do struggle. So we get in, we're actually coming back. So remember, if we went up to Academic City, we turned around, we're coming back down to Maidan. And um, I remember I had about 30 kilometers to do. And it's uh, as much as we struggled for the first 60k, I started to think about Rio. This is my second race. Um, you know, Rio um, is nonverbal. So, you know, I, but I'm sure if he didn't want to do something, trust me, he will communicate that he didn't want to do it. Um, but you get concerned. You're obviously his father. You're out. You're spending 90 kilometers on a, on a bike in a sandstorm. This little boy um, was still 11. And... Um, you know, like thinking, is he okay? And then you start thinking, actually, if he wants to stop, we stop. That's it. I've done one race, and I was literally kind of going, okay, I can totally respect you, Rio. Uh, we will stop. Um, and we're coming back into town, and we could just see Burj Khalifa in the distance. Uh, we're kind of coming back into just before we hit Maidan. And uh, always remember this moment, and Rio turns around and looks at me, and if you see my bike, he sits in front of me, and he turns around, and his eyes are all bloodshot from the sand, it, he's got tears in his eyes, but not obviously from crime, but just from the sand and everything, and I'm thinking, he's probably going to say, Dad, I'm waiting for it, you know, finish, halas, find another sport, something that just communicates that he's had enough, and... <laughs> I'm going to get to tears. He turns around, looks at me, and just says, Dada, I love you. Oh, my God. And that changed me. That's that's yeah. why I oh, do what sweet. I it do. tears to my eyes. And every day I go out, every morning I see him, still today, this morning, the first thing he says to me, um, he was downstairs having breakfast. Um, I've been swimming. And I come in, and he just says, Dada, race race so I, I guess that I mean I, I did that race so I know how challenging it was and when we get to the challenging bits we need those moments of inspiration of so I bet those, those three words were your moments I of was inspiration in tears. I, I cried the for the next 30 kilometers <laughs> I, was a, I was a bubbling mess oh, I was no. like it just oh, brought me amazing. to tears and I just even at the end uh, even on the run did you, you completed the race yeah I did um, my calf ruptured Oh no, that was on DIT. Yeah, I completed you it. Completed it. Yeah, yeah. So even when he, even the run was windy, I was like, oh my god! And every direction we went, where mm. is he? Seemed to be running against the wind. So we were across the finish line. Even remember on that race, you know, we'd been out there for six, seven hours, whatever it was, and um, this little boy has just sat there patiently, smiling and loving it. And I get to the end, and um, I try and get Rio out the pushchair, and he's go he's pushing me back. He's going, Dada, no. More, more. <laughs> Come on, really. I've done oh seven hours. So I think it, you know, if I need any inspiration in my life, it's him. Mm -hmm. And he inspires me to do what I do, um, which in return, I've just become his diesel engine that pushes him around. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you. Nick, when you have a child with disabilities, yeah. it can be challenging for the more able child because they don't get as much attention. How do you manage to ensure that the balance is even with both your kids? And have you experienced, has this been a challenge for you with Tia? Look, it's a fantastic question. I love people that ask personal things that 
think they're not quite sure if they should. Um, it's so important to us. Um, Tear is her own little personality. That's why nickname's Little Wolf. Um, she's fitted in, but right from the offset, because of obviously having uh, Rhea, um, we make sure there's that balance in everything that we possibly can do. Um, you might see she also races with Rio. Um, it's not something we ever push her into. It's something that she chooses to do. She wants to do that. Um, but um, when it comes to every day, we make sure that we're doing things on, on both parties. So if we're doing something with Rio, we make sure that she's also getting time and attention. Um, but the lovely thing is um, we are such a close-knit family. Everything we do, we do together. You know, I mean, we never, um, you know, leave one party at home and go out and do an activity. Um, we're generally all there together. So we make sure that she, she's included. And, but it's, it's a great question, and um, it's an easy one for, uh, for Rio to get more attention than Tia. Um, but um, we, we hope not. After ask her in next time if <laughs> that, that answered that correctly that's amazing thank you um, we've been talking for almost an hour now oh really so um, <laughs> just going to ask you one more question okay. um, so how much longer do you think you'll keep racing with Rio because he's getting heavier and heavier by the day as he gets older and older this must be a challenge on you physically well look um, can I tell you one thing we're doing in November you've got to get involved we're doing something called try with rio so back in february we did um try with rio one um so this was for the special olympics so i did seven half ironman seven days in each one of the emirates so 1.9 90 21 back to back in every emirate um, we did that back in february um this year we've we've kind of thought why don't we do something kind of big every year it's my 50th birthday in november um so on the 14th 15th and 16th i'm going to do an ultraman um, which is 10k swim, um, 150k bike day one, day two cycle 275, day three run 85. The thing that we thought about this when I went to do it, one I want to challenge myself. Um, so I think I can go for a few more years. Um, Rio's happy; he motivates me. Uh, other than injury, that's the only thing that will probably let me stop. Um, but do to answer your question, tier also may if she wants take my place and be involved um, but we'll see where that goes um, but the Ultraman what we're doing in November that we're doing it down at Maidan we're just about to announce it so we're just getting the the approvals are there but we just need a bit of paper um, at District 1 so they have a, an artificial lake in the middle so we're going to swim there um, there's an island and we're going to swim around the island um, for 10k um, and obviously for each one of the disciplines um, it's not really an event, it's a challenge. So there's no bibs, timings, but we're inviting the community to come and join us, but they can do as much or as little as they want. I reckon everyone in Dubai can come and join us for this event because I reckon everyone, if they have a bike, can cycle nine kilometers. Also on the last day, um, with the run or walk nine kilometers, we think, the majority of the community can come and join us and support what we do. We're also going to have our chairs, obviously our running chairs. People will get the opportunity to interact with another child with disabilities or determination and get them involved. So, yeah, that's just... just wow, that sounds fantastic. One of the things that we're doing. So we want to do something big, and it sits mm -hmm. in Dubai Fitness Challenge. 
I also share my birthday with His Highness Sheikh Hamdan um, on the 14th. Um, so, look, it's a, it's a big event for us. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can't see myself giving up at the moment. Um, I love what I do. And I think, like yourself, you know, you, I think we all need to find our passions in life. My son has found my passion. I did a sport many years ago, started at 16, and I'm still doing it today. I wake up this morning, I swam this morning. This is the best job in the world. I live at Sustainable City. I took a photo. It's on, it's on social media. Uh, this beautiful pool in the desert. And that was my morning. Um, uh, you know, tomorrow morning I'll be up at four. I'm going to cycle. You know, we'll run. I row. Whatever it is. Do yoga. I love what I do. Um, this is the best job in the world. And I'm so fortunate that life has taken me down this route. You know, like I said, we've lost two companies. I've lost... a <laughs> I've never really mentioned it. We've lost huge amounts of money. It's bankrupted us twice. But what's most important to us today is we do something that we love, we're passionate about, and hopefully not only we, you know, got a very contented family, um, we're hopefully inspiring others and making maybe may making them want to make some change and some positive change in their own lives. Yeah, you definitely are. You certainly inspire me when I, when I follow your, your journeys. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up now. Yep. One thing I, I just do want to say is that um, I'm a big believer in that um, our life is packaged to us in a certain way and that every, all the events that happen, you know, the challenging times, um, you know, the losing the businesses and, yep. and you know... Um, having Rio as, you know, it's enabled you to do what you do and to create this awareness. So I think, you know, maybe, I don't know, the universe probably thinks you're the most perfect person to do it. <laughs> Look, and I, I totally and utterly agree with you. You know, life goes in its all right directions and um, it's a journey at the end of the day. I think where we're fortunate, and I hope that the listeners will find that, is finding where that journey may take them. Um, but whatever life throws at you, uh, hopefully you'll all end up on top. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, Nate. Pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you again to um, Rove Hotel and everyone that's tuned in to listen to this podcast. Your support really does mean a lot to me. If you are listening on iTunes, please subscribe and leave a review because this helps the podcast become visible and it enables us to reach a wider audience. And again, thank you to Rove Hotel and Dubai Marina for allowing us to use their fantastic venue and for their never-ending support.
Thank you.